What's up, Fathom fam? Welcome to our weekly Sunday Sermon Podcast. As Pastor Kyle and Taryn are taking a time of sabbatical away from the campus and preaching to spend some intentional time with family and the Lord and get refreshed, they've been really intentional about setting us as a church body up for a time to continue growing even in their physical absence. We look forward to their return on August 8th, but get excited to be hearing until then from some of our other favorite pastors and leaders in our summer series called One. This is going to be a really special summer series where we'll keep on growing our faith and experiencing freedom in Christ as we receive from many voices the one cohesive message that God has given the church. Don't forget that you can follow us to stay up to date on everything going on at Fathom on Instagram or YouTube, our Facebook page, and our Fathom Family Facebook group, and of course, on the Church Center app. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. Hey, Fathom Church, thanks so much for being here this morning. Uh, we're so sorry that we couldn't be with you in person. Uh, we were looking so forward to be uh, so forward to being able to join you um, at your location, but where from wherever you are, uh, whether in your car, in your home, uh, with your family, or by yourself, uh, we hope that you're enjoying this service so far, and uh, we're, we're thankful to be able to at least join you uh, via the medium of uh, video. So um, this is COVID. You know, the, this is the time of COVID. Um, 2020, 2021 has been an interesting time for the church, but uh, we're thankful that God has blessed us with the resources to be able to, to come to you via video. Uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, uh, my name is Todd Corpy, and uh, I've been with you a few times. I uh, talked, uh, uh, preached a, a Sunday or two in the past, um, as well as uh, on our Wednesday night series um, uh, for our discipleship, our core nights. Um, back in February, we did our How to Read the Bible series, which you can find on YouTube, um, as well as uh, our, a couple times in our Casket Empty series on Wednesday nights. And uh, it's been such a pleasure, such an honor to get to know you. But in addition to being a pastor, I'm also a pastor's husband. And I'll let Tara take the, the reins here in just a few moments and get us kicked off. But I want to say a, a special thank you uh, to uh, Pastor Kyle, to Pastor Taryn, and the whole team uh, at Fathom, to all of you who serve so diligently uh, in uh, serve roles and uh, do everything that you do, um, especially our tech uh, and all of all of the folks that had to pivot last minute to make this service happen. And we are so thankful, but especially Pastor Crown, and Pastor Taryn. Uh, thank you for the honor and the privilege to be able to come and to, to speak to your, your wonderful congregation. We've come to love you guys so much. Uh, but like I said, uh, this is uh, Tara, my beautiful wife, and uh, she is a, a brilliant uh, communicator, brilliant woman, and I'm so thankful to be able to uh, to be able to talk uh, together this morning. This is one of our favorite mediums of being able to speak is uh, being able to kind of tag team preach a little bit, and uh, we hope that uh, you are uh, impacted by this morning's message. So Tara, take it away. Yeah, well, it's great to see you all today. I wish that I could actually be there in person to look you guys in the eye. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share. But before we dig into the message, we're actually going to dig into Mark chapter 6 today. But before we do that, will you just pray with me and let's just welcome the Holy Spirit. He's already here. He's already in your home. He's wherever you are watching this. But we just want to open our hearts and verbalize to the Lord that we just are willing to receive whatever it is he wants to say. So will you pray with me this morning? Holy Spirit, thank you so much for your presence. 
God, I thank you that you are with us wherever we are, whether we are in our living rooms scattered across the the county, whether we are uh, scattered across the world, or whether we are in one place, you are there and you are present. And so we say, Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives. God, I pray that you will open our eyes to see what you want to do here in Jacksonville and in, in the surrounding areas and in Fathom Church and open our ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your people. God, we thank you for your presence and we honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we um, are actually going to dig into a, a really one of my favorite passages actually in Mark chapter 6. But before we do that, I want to tell a little story about um, us, since you don't really know us, you know him, you don't really know me, but I want to share a little story about what it was like when we first got married and give you insight into kind of who we are and why we even are, are sitting before you. But when we first got married, we got married in 2008. It was in the height of the recession. It was really rough time for, for the country and it was kind it of was like welcome to adulting. Yeah, yeah like, it was literally like adulthood welcome. Yes. Big recession. <laughs> Congratulations. This is what it's like not living with your parents anymore. So it was really, it was a really difficult time for us. And we had actually just come out of a really hurtful situation at a church. And we were just like, oh, I don't know if I even want to be in ministry anymore. Like, if this is what the church is like, maybe it's not for me. But we also hadn't attributed that to God. And so we knew we wanted to be faithful to the Lord. We still attended church. We actually got involved in um, the outreach and the young adults group at a local church nearby. Um, and we, we were faithful with our tithing. I'm going to actually get to that in just a minute, just because that's a really big piece of the story for us. Um, but we, we got involved, and um, I don't know how many of you guys have lived in Florida your whole lives, but if you have, congratulations. Your winters are beautiful, and you've had an amazing time. Living Especially here in North Florida. Oh, my goodness. It's amazing. So congratulations on that. But we are from the North, and if you guys have never been in the North and experienced winter, in the north, it is a whole nother ballgame. Hold, hold on, though. We're not talking, like, Tennessee north. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We were from Michigan. So, like, we were, like, we were, like, the head that Canada sat on. Like, <laughs> they were our hat. So, like, it was, like, I mean, it's cold there. It is very cold. And when I say cold, there's a, there's a, a language that you have when you live in cold areas, and it's called, well, what's the wind chill? When you hear somebody say how cold it is, then they follow it up with, but what's the wind chill? The wind chill is when you take a degree off of whatever degree it is and based off of the mile per hour of the wind that's blowing. So, for instance, if it is 30 degrees outside and the wind is blowing 10 miles an hour, then it is now feeling like 20 degrees. Well, this winter was one of the most cold winters I think I've ever experienced in my entire life. They shut everything down. Kids couldn't go to school because it was a negative 20 degrees outside and negative 20 degrees and the wind chill was a negative 40 degrees so we could only go outside for like three minutes at a time otherwise we would get frostbite and then would probably die <laughs> and so it was really 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 cold and so and not to paint too grim of a picture here but we had a hole in our house <laughs> so we were newlyweds he had a temp job I couldn't get a job because it was this the height of the this recession. This is turning into a very, like, Listen, up the hills in both ways. It is therapy. <laughs> so we had a hole in our house, and so there was all this cold wind that we didn't realize 
was blowing into the house. We were burning. We had a fireplace. We were burning everything possible. I was like, I don't wear this shirt anymore. Like Todd was chopping down trees on the weekends. And we were just like, ah, we were putting out so much money in our electricity bill. We were putting out more money in our electricity bill than we were even our actual rent payment, which probably makes sense because we had a hole in our house. But all that to say, we were really broke. We actually sat down and we like looked at our budget and we were like, where is this? What, what do we do? You yeah. Know? At, at that time, our expenses exceeded our actual income. Like, By $200. On, and I'm not talking like, oh yeah, you got Taco Bell, you know, on, oh. on impulse, like our, our written expenses exceeded our income. Yeah. So, so what we, what we did is we sat down and we were like, what, what do we do? We, we are out besides grocery shopping, all of that. We were, what we were putting out was actually $200 more than what we were bringing in per month. And we made a decision together. Like, do we, do we use the money and just go with the flow and like just do our best to try to survive? And we both felt really strongly that we needed to be faithful with our giving. That was, that was a really big um, decision for us just because it was a, it was a difficult decision. It was a sacrificial decision. And um, I, I tell you what, and this is why I'm sharing this because um, we watched God do a gradual miracle. It wasn't like, you know, a dead person on the ground like was raised to life and then, you know, it was this big miracle. It was a gradual miracle that at, over the course of time we were able to step back and see and we just looked out and we saw the goodness and the provision of God just surrounding our lives during that time period. And what happened was we, we, we were faithful in our giving. We continued to attend church. We were hurt. We were broken. And we are like, God, this is all we can give. We don't have any more that we can give. This is all that we can do. And we watched money actually appear in our account. It's the craziest story. Like, I even called the bank. And I was like, where, where are these deposits coming from? I'm seeing these. like, And it wasn't a lot. It was just enough. Like, it was just enough for us to be able to buy groceries, to pay all of our bills, and we even were able to buy each other Christmas presents for our very first Christmas together as a married couple. And we just watched God, like, actually just literally multiply right before our very eyes. And it was just, it was an actual miracle that we just, we, uh, to this day, I'm still in awe. I don't know how it happened. The bank was like, these are legitimate funds that are in your account, but we can't see the account that it's coming from. We don't know where it's coming from. We called our family, are you putting money in our account? And they're like, no. We had random, like random times when we get a knock on our door and somebody would be like, um, you know, hey, I just killed a deer and I need to empty out my freezer. Because that's do what you we do in food? Michigan. Yeah. And it wasn't strangers, by the way. It was like family that were like, you are just taking meat from random people (laughs) off of the street. But like, it was like, hey, we, you know, this just happened and and now we need to get rid of this meat. And so we watched God provide just as we were faithful and as we were willing to just give the little bit that we had. And um, it was just a real miracle. And so I tell that story today because as we dive into this text, I want you to remember that sometimes the miracles that we see God do in our lives aren't these grand big, once like boom, like miracle, but it's just gradual, continual, faithful provision that God gives us um, just in little things where you can step back and see the big miracle that God has actually worked out, even though you didn't see how it could even work at the beginning. So let's dive into this text real quick. And, um, and then I'll turn it back over to Todd and Todd can kind of give you some application and 
and then um, you guys can can get on with your day. But let me give you some context to Mark chapter six. So Jesus had just sent the disciples out and he said, hey, I want you to go out and I want you to minister and I want you to heal people and and, um, just see what God can do through you. And so the disciples went away and they were traveling the countryside. And while they were gone, Jesus's cousin, John the Baptist, was actually executed. He was murdered at the hands of the government. And so Jesus was just really grieving over that that loss and just really upset about that injustice. And so the disciples came back after all of that had happened. And they were like, Jesus, look at what we did. Like, we preached some rabbis and we saw people's eyes being opened that were blind and people were deaf and they were hearing one person was demon possessed and we like prayed over them and then they were gone. I mean, they were like so excited about everything that Jesus or that they did and they wanted to share that with Jesus. And then they said, we've been so busy. We haven't even had time to eat. Like we haven't even had time to rest and eat because we've been doing the work of ministry. And Jesus's response wasn't like, oh, congratulations. Good job. Let's go find more to do. And he said, he says, come away and let's find a remote place to rest. I love that. I love that Jesus's response is not let's do more. His response is, okay, we need to take time and you need to rest. And I think sometimes in our lives, we can get so caught up in the doing in the I can't stop because If I stop, then they're probably going to mess up in the job. And so I have to be there to make sure that I'm there to take care of everything and that I'm there to to have everything happen. Or I can't stop because if I don't, like, I really want my children to have a life that I didn't have. And if if I don't work, then I can't pay for them to have the life that they don't have. And so I can't stop. I don't have time to be able to spend time with my family because if I spend time with my family, that means I'm not able to do what I'm supposed to do. And then who knows what could happen. And, and the next thing you know, you're not taking care of your body, you're not taking care of your spirit, you're not taking care of anything, and you're actually setting yourself up to rely on yourself as your source rather than the Lord. And when we take time and rest, it's actually a form of worship. And that's what Jesus was trying to show the disciples, saying, let's set aside what you can do so I can do in you what only I can do in you. And so I want to encourage you today to not get so wrapped up in the doing that you forget that your source is actually the Lord and that he can do in you what only he can do and that he he not only can take care of you to help you rest, but at the same time, he is big enough that he can actually take care of the other things going on as well while you are resting and rejuvenating with him. So in Mark chapter six, it says... So they went away by boat by themselves to a remote place, but many saw them leaving and recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, this place is deserted and it's already late. Send them away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Have you ever been in that deserted place? Like that place where you feel like I don't have anything, but I I need something like I am in a deserted place. Give me something. I feel like I can't go on. I am so weary. I am so tired and I feel like there's darkness all around me. And then you have other people that are around you that you're looking 
for, for that or to them to give them, give that to you, whatever it is that you're looking for. And then you hear them say, send them away. And all of a sudden you're facing rejection. And even though the disciples in that moment probably weren't trying to be rude, they were actually trying to look out for the people saying like, hey, Jesus, it can still feel like they were being sent away. Sent away. Jesus, I followed you here. Jesus, I brought my whole family. The the book of John actually says that there were 20,000 people there. They sacrificed to follow Jesus, and then they were being sent away. Well, and, and these weren't people that were, you know, it, it wasn't like attending a concert. Right. You yeah. know, when people were coming to Jesus, there was no health care. There was no uh, financial safety net and stuff like this. So when people were coming to Jesus, there was a desperation. Yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't this idea of like, well, we just want to kind of see what this is all yeah. about. It was for many, this was their last ditch effort yeah. to to see a breakthrough in their life. Yeah. And 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 here's the thing with the disciples coming to Jesus and saying that, there was a little bit of cockiness in in their their um statement to Jesus. You have to remember they haven't rested yet. They just came off of doing ministry. They're they, still on the they're high. They're still on the high. Success, and yeah. it's like, Jesus, we've been very busy. And we've been ministering to a lot of people. And you've been talking for a long time. Send them away. Just listen to us, Jesus. And I love Jesus' response here. He goes, you give them something to eat. It's like, okay, big shot, Mr. Oh, I cast out demons. Like, you give them something to eat. And so the Gospels, all four Gospels actually tell the story. And I love that all four Gospels tell the story because you get different perspectives. But actually my favorite two, like, testimonies of this story is in Mark and John. And it's because like Mark is very like, here's what happened. And here's like the pungent points. John gets personal with it. So he's, he's, a, he's the passive aggressive. He's a little passive aggressive in this one. <laughs> so it says, they said to him, should we go and buy 200 denarii? It's like about eight months worth of food, uh, worth of bread to give them something to eat. Like the snarkiness is real in that moment. You can hear like the irritation in the tone and all like Matthew, Mark and Luke all say, and they said, and they said, and they said, now, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, Jesus's favorite, the one who rested his head on Jesus's bosom as they reclined at the table. He was like, I'm not going down with this joker. He was like, if you read the book of John, it says you give them something to eat. And in John, it says, and Philip said, (laughs) he's like, I'm not messing around. Philip was the one that said this. What am I supposed to do? Go out with eight months worth of wage and buy them something to eat? Mind you, this is the same guy that that carefully pointed out that he outran Peter to the empty right. tomb yeah, at, the end, little, at the end of his gospel. Yeah. Yep, it's his story and he's sticking to it. So <clears throat> Jesus looks at them and says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And I love that. I We have three girls. We have Lydia, Anna, and Benson. And um getting dressed is a very traumatizing time in our home. It's always like, we'll pick out an outfit and it's still like, I don't have anything to wear. I don't know. And I'm like, did you look? Go and see. I don't have underwear. Did you look in your drawer? Uh, Go and look. This is that moment for Jesus. He was like, how many loaves do you have? And they're like, uh, uh, and he's like, go and see. And so they go out and the book of John actually details this a little bit more. It says they went out and they found a little boy. And there were, once again, 20,000 people there, 5,000 men. And then you have women and children. So they totaled out to about 20,000. I'm sure that there were people that denied what they had. Like, I'm sure people had little baskets that they brought with them. 
and they didn't want to give it to the disciples. But they found this little boy, and he had five barley loaves and two fish. So automatically, we know that he was very poor. He came from low status because barley was a food for the poor. It was easy for them to use. It was, it was versatile, and it was very cheap. So carrying around these barley loaves was actually a very, um, it was a statement of like, I'm not going to probably be a priest. I'm not going to be a Levite. I'm going to be a hard worker and I'm going to barely make ends meet. And I'm not going to be greeted in the marketplace. And I'm not going to be one of those important people that people recognize as I walk down the street. And so when he gave that up, it says that, that the disciples asked for it. It doesn't say that they demanded it from them. And it says he was willing. It wasn't that he was being obedient. He was actually just willing to give up what he had to Jesus. And it says that they take this um, bread and they take it to Jesus and uh, they give it to him. And it says that Jesus takes the bread and he looks up to heaven. And I love that because this could have been a moment where Jesus kind of flexed a little bit and he chose not to. He, he was fully man, but he was also fully God. He could have been like, you <laughs> five course meal like here it all is but instead what he did is he looked up because he was demonstrating a total reliance on the father he was trying to demonstrate that i do what my father tells me to do which is quite the pivot yes. from from the action of the disciples yes. you have that them coming jesus look at all we did and jesus looks to heaven yes. to, the, to the father as a source mm -hmm. and it says that he took the bread and he blessed it and then he broke it and then he gave it to the disciples. And it says that he gave them all the fish and then he distributed the bread among them. So when you imagine what that looked like, it looked like this. This is what they carry. This is what they could carry. And so they, they took it and they were like, um, here, do you want food? Here's, I have some bread and fish. And so the people took the bread and the fish and then they were empty and they're like, oh, and Jesus, I'm out. Like, I don't have any more to give. And Jesus is like, here, here's more. And Jesus says, it says in the text that Jesus kept giving it to them. He kept giving it to them. So it looked like, okay, I have more. Jesus gave me more here, here. Oh, oh, I'm out. Hold on. Let me go back to Jesus and see what he can give me. Go back. Jesus, I need more. Here, here's more. Jesus gave me more. And it was this constant thing until all of them had been fed and it says they were satisfied. And then it says there was so much left over that there were 12 basketfuls left on the ground that the disciples had to pick up. Each disciple carried an overflow because of the little bit that they gave going back to Jesus and giving it out back to Jesus and giving it out. And I believe that there are some of you in here who may only have a little bit. You might not have a lot, but what you have, you can give to Jesus and watch what he can do. Watch what, what he can do with it in his hands. You know, during this time, this was part of Jesus's second year of his public ministry. It was right before Passover, his second Passover in public ministry. And um, that next year, he would actually be crucified. And I just, I can't help but think that as Jesus was sitting there and as he was breaking the bread and as he was giving it to the disciples that he wasn't he could see the foreshadowing of what was going to be taking place a year later as he looked up to heaven before he blessed the bread i can't help but think that he knew that his body was going to be lifted up and he was going to be crucified so that you and i could be reconciled to to the father 
I can't help but think that as he broke that bread and he gave it to the disciples, he couldn't help but think that his own body would be broken for you and for me so that we could be whole. And as he watched the people take the bread and eat the bread, I can't help but think that his mind went to Passover of next year where he would sit at that table at that last supper and break that bread and say, take, eat, this is my body which was broken for you. I can't help but think that as he looked out and he saw the disciples going out and distributing the food and coming back to him and saying, Jesus, I need more, that he couldn't, he couldn't help but see the foreshadowing of the total reliance that you and I will need as people, as carriers of the gospel of peace to have to go out into the world and share the good news and come back to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need more of you. Jesus, I can't keep going if you, if you don't source me. And I can't help but think that as he looked out and he saw all of the bread and all of the fish scattered on the ground as the disciples were gathering it up, I can't help but think that he, his mind went to the day that he would return again and gather his people together from all ends of the church just so that way he could be together. You know, it's it's crazy when we think about this miracle because I can't help but think how many of us just have a little bit just a little bit like hey I need I my neighbor needs something you know what this is what I have I can give this to you Jesus I need more like there are many people that need spiritual fathers and mothers and we can go, I don't have that much wisdom to give. I don't have all of that. But what I have, I'll give it to you. Jesus, give me more wisdom. I can't help but think so many of us around here have just a little bit. But what it can be done in the hands of the Lord, because we are willing, could impact thousands and thousands of people. Here we are, Fathom Church. This is what we have. This is how we can impact our community. Here, we'll give it. Jesus, we need more. It's amazing what can happen when something is blessed, when something is broken, and when it's given. So that's really the movement that we see all throughout Scripture, kind of this cadence that we see repeated, this blessed broken, given. We see that in the story of the feeding of the 5,000. As Tara said, we see it again in the, the story of Jesus at, at the Passover kind of foreshadowing, laying the groundwork of what's going to happen at the cross where he's blessed by God, sent here by God to be broken for the sake of the world. And I think it's important that, that we recognize that, that that story doesn't stop. That, that blessed, broken, given kind of cadence continues through the work of the local church, through the work of, of Jesus' church here in the world. We've been sent by God. We've been blessed by God. And Acts talks about that. And in chapter one, Jesus' last words to his disciples, to his followers are, are, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But he doesn't just stop there. He continues, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's crucial for us to understand because at the end of the day, if we would have just stopped at the blessing of receiving power from the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't have the church today. But we continue on in this blessed, broken, given dynamic 
And I really want to share kind of just three quick principles, and then we're going to land the plane uh, and close with a time of communion together. So if, if you haven't already, pause this video, grab some elements, uh, and, and it could be any sort of bread, any, anything that we can set apart, make holy unto God, but gather your family around, and we'll end with a time of communion, actually using... Uh, a, a, a reading, a, a prayer from uh, the, the first century church. So, uh, but it, the three principles that I want to kind of hit on real quick, the first is God blesses us by making us reliant upon one another. That sounds very countercultural, right? Americans, we, we Americans love our independence. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I don't need nobody, that kind of that thing. But that's not the kingdom. The kingdom is actually this interdependence where we, we need each other. When, when the next time that you're at, uh, you're at church, you're with uh, your, your church family, look around you. Those are your brothers, your sisters, your aunts, your uncles, your, mo- your spiritual mothers and fathers. This is your family. And that's more than just kind of this empty saying, well, yeah, we're family, brother, so-and-so. No, that's not how the first century church operated. Early Christianity operated as a sort of chosen kin. They were were chosen family. They bore each other's burdens. They celebrated each other's victories. They broke bread together. They brought each other into into, uh, their homes and they, they shared life. They shared resources. They had, the Bible says, an they had everything in common, and that's that. That's what family does. When you see you, when you, when your brother, you know, if my brother's in need, I, I jump at the opportunity to help him out. When my brother has a great accomplishment, I'm I'm one of the first ones there to celebrate a victory of his because we're family. And the second thing is, God lets us be broken in order to form deep roots in us for us to persevere. And what I mean is that God allows seasons of brokenness. And I'm not talking God permitting abuse. I'm not talking God permitting. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that sometimes God allows more month than he allows or than paycheck if for the purpose of testing our, our faith. I, I'm saying that God allows us seasons of dryness where there isn't a nearness to allow us uh, to develop a trust in him, that his presence is still there even when we can't feel him. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in the city. I grew up in kind of an urban environment. I have no concept of gardening. So here at 35, I'm learning how to be a green thumb a bit. So uh, to, some, to some success, that palm back there is, is fake. Uh, so, uh, so I'm still learning, <laughs> but at, at the end of the day, uh, one of the th- one of the principles that I've learned, and if you're a master green thumb, you're going to laugh and roll your eyes that I'm just learning this now, but bear with me. So at, <laughs> what I've learned is that plants need seasons of dryness. They need seasons without water because it's in those dry seasons that the roots begin to search. They go down deeper in search of fresh water. And what happens is in that search, they go down deeper they get more rooted, they get more, they get stronger and more resilient so that when major storms come, they're able to weather those storms uh, in times of, uh, in, in those seasons. And the same is true with us spiritually, that in those seasons of brokenness, in those dry seasons where we know God's there, but we can't feel his presence when, when we allow ourselves to get deeply rooted, when we allow ourselves to, to persevere 
God does more in those seasons of brokenness, in those seasons of pain, in those seasons of hardship than any success or season of plenty that you could possibly think of. Think about this. If you've been in a season, maybe you're in a season now where things are tight financially. When you're pinching, you know, $5 bills, you you become much more disciplined. Your your budgeting skills, we became master disciplinarians when it came to our budget through seasons of hardship than if we would have just been, you know, uh, Scrooge McDuck, just, you know, swimming in a sea of gold coins. Then it's like, who cares? You know, don't need a budget. So it's in those seasons of brokenness that we really begin to set down deep roots and to learn from God. But the, the crucial thing is that what the enemy would like is in brokenness, that we remove the blessed component. We remove ourselves from the family of God. But the two are meant to be together uh, because it, uh, God desires that we develop strong bonds with one another as well. Um, and, and, and so finally, the last thing God gives us, so we have blessed, we have broken, and then finally given. God gives us to the world so that all will know that Jesus is the Christ. We like clean categories, but these are actually one big blob, messy kind of a dynamic where In our shared relationship, in our mutual struggle, we're also a witness to the world. Through our our relationship with one another, there's a missional component to that, that people look at the way that we rely on one another, the way that we are intricately knit together. And that's attractive to a world that is very lonely, that is very in need of love, in need of quality relationships. In a season, in a culture where people have very few people that they can be their authentic self with, what would it mean for the church to be that place of authenticity and transparency as a form of mission? We think of the mission of God as you know, going somewhere, standing on a milk crate, you know, telling people that they're going to hell, handing out tracts and, and all that kind of stuff, but that's not what I'm talking about. Mission God's way is an invitation into shared life. It it is opening your table and listening to someone's story. It is developing, uh, allowing someone who has no context or uh, of the faith or is turned off to the gospel to be that Christian that can be a trusted presence in their lives, to, uh, to be someone that where they can wrestle with questions and, and, and uh, the deeper matters of the faith and, and, and it'd be safe. So this blessed, broken, given dynamic is for the sake of our shared life with one another and for the sake of the world. So I, I want to just challenge you with that. If you're in a season where you feel disconnected from the broader family of God, man, press in to one another. Invite your fellow church, uh, 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 your fellow fathom church folk out for dinner. Invite them over your family, COVID notwithstanding. But in, invite them into the rhythms of your life. Begin to press into that community. And, and I will say, you guys have a great community environment. And it's worth tapping into that and really just leaning into that as and recognizing this is my family and I can be reliant upon them. The, the second piece, if you're going through a season of brokenness, man, press in, allow yourself to, to form deep roots and learn through the pain, learn through the hardship and allow God to mold you and make you stronger as a result. And then finally, begin to see yourself in your in, in the seasons in which you're 
uh, wherever you're called, your workplace, your neighborhood, whatever, that you are there on assignment to be poured out for the sake of uh, of your fellow human. So I want to end with uh, a time of communion. Um, so if you have the elements, we're going to start with the bread, and then we're going to move to uh, the cup. But we want to take a moment and just uh, kind of set this this space apart and, and just thank God for the, this time. We're going to end for centuries. The ways that, that Christians have done that is through the Lord's Prayer. So if you will, just take a moment, quiet your heart, and just uh, we're going to uh, repeat this uh, prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So like I said earlier, this uh, what we're going to pray today is, is actually what around the time that John was writing the book of Revelation, uh, a group of uh, Christians, uh, we don't know who the author was, but they wrote uh, an early kind of discipleship manual called the Didache. And uh, this is kind of an adaptation from this, but it speaks to this future time where the, the blessed, broken, given dynamic kind of comes to its, its rightful close. And God actually takes and gathers us from the four corners of the earth into his kingdom. We're going to break the bread together. We say, Almighty God, we thank you for this bread that once dispersed over the hills has been brought together into one loaf. In the same way, may your church be brought from the ends of the earth into your kingdom. Now the cup. Almighty God, we thank you for the holy vine of your servant, David, which has been made known to us through your son, Jesus the Christ. We want to leave you with this closing prayer. We thank you so much for this, uh, this uh, time that we've had together. Let me pray this, uh, this blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, Fathom Church. We love you. We're so thankful for you in this time together. And have a great day. Thanks for listening in today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. To connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, or even if you need help figuring that out, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. You can also go ahead and type in the search bar of your podcast app, FATHOM Beyond Sunday, and there you'll find our new podcast. You'll be able to listen in on some really great conversations, just taking the truth of God's word from our Sunday sermon a step further, talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.